Well, good morning. It's nice to be back again so soon. I didn't think I'd, actually, I think that's okay. I didn't think I'd have the opportunity to. I know most of you, and um, for those of you who don't know me, like he said, I'm Alicia DeRosiers. My husband, Dan, a lot of you might know too, and he is not here today. He sends his love. He's speaking in New Jersey this morning. And then I have a little girl named Paisley, who if you see a little curly head, yellow dress girl chatting away, that's her. She doesn't stop talking. I don't know where she got that from. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's, um, she's a lot of fun. So, and, then, and I am pregnant, so you don't have to you know, worry about asking me later. I know it's kind of a weird, weird question. But yes, we have another daughter in August. So that's our family. And we're headed to Spain, hopefully in the fall, like Andrew said, to reach people through media. We think that's a huge way to tell people about Jesus. Like Dan says, to have Jesus on every single screen. And that's what we're hoping for. So this morning, I'm excited, like I said, to be here. Thank you to Joe and Andrew and everybody to, for trusting me with this. Um, he asked me to speak about a woman's purpose, which I love talking about. And this is something that I've, I'll talk in a minute about this, but that I've always kind of tried to figure out for myself. And I know that, um, you know, when you hear about, you're probably looking at me or hearing about a woman's purpose and thinking, you know, what if she's like a really strong feminist or what if she has all these different ideas about what women do? I really, really want to empower women today. But I don't want to do it in a, I am woman, hear me roar, or, you know, we got to kick all the men to the curb because I really think life obviously would be really boring and difficult and sad without all of us here. So that's not what this is about. It's also not about too much about stereotypes. You know, I think that sometimes we think that women, we put women in this big box and men in this big box, and we're so different. I could never be a master carpenter like Kelly Hirsch. I would prefer to bake cookies, but we're all so different. But in the same way, we all have some really cool similarities as women that I think are really important to embrace and to talk about this morning. So I am also thankful to Joe that I get the fun job of talking a lot of a woman's purpose and not to talk about sin next week. So thanks, Joe, for that too. <laughs> Good luck. So again, <laughs> this morning, I just want to encourage and challenge and also to the men. Um, I'm a woman and I'm speaking to women, but I'm also speaking to the men to say that you, every single one of you has a woman in your life. You might be sitting next to one. You might have a daughter. You might have a, a mother. Well, you know, you have all these people in your life, but Hopefully this message will encourage you as well because hopefully you can learn something from these points but also be able to encourage the women in your life. So let's pray this morning and then I'm going to go ahead and get started. God, I thank you for this morning and for everyone here. I really, really believe that every single person in this room is here for a reason and that you've brought them here this morning to hear your word. I'm so thankful to be able to share it and I just pray that you would speak through me and um, touch hearts in really, really powerful ways today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, first I think we need to define purpose. Because I think when we think about purpose, it's such a big word. And it just, it, 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 to some people it means different things. So really, the definition of purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which it exists. So today, instead of saying my purpose all the time, I'm going to kind of just say I exist to do this. Because really, God made us in certain ways, gave us a purpose to do things, but that's why we exist. So we're going to um, talk about that a little bit. I want to show you a couple pictures before we start about products that really only have 
one purpose. <laughs> uh, some maybe you have these, and I, you know, maybe they're great for your life. But I don't have any of them. But this one is, it looks nice. It's a it's a a butter square dropper, I guess, and you use it to put squares of butter on your toast. So I don't know. It probably clutters up your drawer, but I thought that was a good one. And a Fox Run pickle picker, in case you don't want to put your hands in the pickle jar because then you smell like pickles all day. So that's another one to put in your drawer and, you know, clutter it up a little bit. This one I love. It's a square egg maker because everyone needs square eggs, right? I mean, I think about it this morning. I thought I should make a square egg. I wish I had one of these, but unfortunately I don't. Uh, pizza scissors. <laughs> really, this is, this is interesting. I've never thought to cut pizza with scissors, but... If you, again, want to put it in your drawer, feel free. Apparently, it works great. And then a roll and pour. Now, the, the funniest thing about this product is you see, you know, some hands there. It looks like a man's hands pouring it. And it, you might think, well, maybe for kids it'd be good or for someone who, you know, is a little not as stable with their hands. But the, one of the things it said in here was that it's helpful for young women so I, I don't know why that's true, but I don't really need one, but maybe you do. And then uh, lastly, there's, there's a ham dogger, in case you've ever wanted to make your hamburgers into hot dogs. Because that, that to me is really, really, really important. And I think that, you know, that could be helpful for life. Oh, and one more, sorry. The baby shusher. You could get this beautiful big product that shushes your baby. I mean, there are other things. I would just rather put a sound app on my phone, but if you'd rather stick this in the stroller next to your baby, go for it. I mean, this is great. It's, it's uh, really, really helpful, apparently, to have these products. So thinking about all these products that do one thing, one purpose, this, to me, is so interesting because we as humans don't just have one purpose. And, you know, I, we do in some ways. Like, my last point will kind of tell you that there's one really big reason we women exist, but I don't think that we have um, just one thing that we can do, and I think sometimes that I would always think, what if I'm one of those gadgets that only has one reason that I exist, and then I'm just cluttered later on? Like, if I fulfill that purpose, you know, if I, if I grow, my kids grow up and move out of the house, then I'm done. Then I'm just cluttering the drawer. Or if, you know, I, I do this one job really, really well and then I retire, then I'm done. And then I don't have anything else to do. And then I just end up in the drawer with the hot dog hamburger maker and the square egg maker and that's it, you know. And so I've always kind of struggled with figuring out what my purpose is. I feel like I'm a little different than some women, but I'm also really the same as some women. And so it's been really a struggle for me. And I didn't want to come to the end of my life and wonder what I did and wonder if I made a difference and wonder if I just kind of did a bunch of stuff. You know, Dan, my husband calls me a putzer. I don't sit still. I just move around the house and do things, you know, like movie nights, not movie night without a pile of laundry to fold. And, you know, I don't want to be that person that just did so much stuff and never really stopped and thought about what am I, what do I exist for? Why did God create me? So... I decided in the past few years to start figuring out what purpose meant for me. And I want to talk to you this morning about a woman that a lot of us know about named Esther. Um, but I want to kind of put a little bit of a spin on her story to see if that helps us learn a little bit more about our purpose. So there was a king, um, and he got very upset at his queen. She was beautiful, but he was very, very drunk, and he wanted to parade her beauty in front of all his friends. And she said no. So he got upset, and he banished her from the kingdom. 
And he said, you're never coming back. You know, I don't, I don't need you anymore. So his friends told him, you should collect these beautiful young virgins from around the country and pick a new queen. Okay, that sounds terrible, but great. And Esther, <laughs> there was one girl there named Esther, and she was a Jewish orphan. So people, her family had gotten, had been brought to this country. Uh, they didn't really belong there. They just were brought there. She was raised by her cousin Mordecai. who She didn't have any parents anymore. And she was one of the ones who was chosen to spend a year in the palace and to get beauty treatments, sounds good, to learn about royalty, to do all these things to learn how to be a queen. And when the time came, the king chose her to be the next queen, which is pretty cool. Um, and the only thing is she couldn't tell anyone that she was Jewish because she really wasn't part of that country. She was a powerless nobody, technically, in that country. And she got married to the most powerful person in, in not maybe the most powerful person, but one of the most powerful people in the world at that time. He was now her husband and connected, and she was suddenly thrown into this totally different world that she didn't belong in. I'd say God was in that arrangement. I mean, that doesn't usually happen. And I know you women might be thinking right now, well, I'm nothing like Esther. She got beauty treatments for a year. She, you know, lived in a spa basically all day long. I didn't get my makeup on this morning. I didn't have breakfast. I changed a poopy diaper before I came up, you know, like one of those things that you think, this is what my life is. I could never be like Esther, but I really do think that we can learn a little bit about her. So after she was appointed queen, the king um, had a, a friend, I guess, in the country, and he was pretty evil, and he, um, I don't know if he started off evil, but anyway, he, was, he wanted everyone to bow down to him because he was second in command. And Mordecai, who was Esther's cousin, refused. She said, I'm not going to bow, or he said, I'm not going to bow down because you um, are a man, and I only bow to God. Well, this man was pretty power hungry, and he decided that to get back at Mordecai for not bowing down and for not, you know, fulfilling his whatever he needed, that he was going to kill all of Mordecai's family, not just Mordecai, but all the Jews, because that would really get back at him if he killed all his family and all the people that he was close to. So Mordecai told Esther that this was happening, and he said, I just want you to know this is going to happen. This is terrible, and you're not safe either. I know you've never told anyone you're a Jew, but, you know, people are probably going to find out. So this is, we need to do something. So Esther 4, verses 12 through 14, Mordecai said to Esther, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So Esther was suddenly thrown into a pretty terrible predicament, right? She could just ignore everything and just say, well, you know what? I, I'm the queen. They'll probably never find out I'm Jewish. I'm just going to you know, live this one out, stay with my spa and my, and my servants, and you guys will all die. Or there was a pretty weird law that if anyone wanted to come to the king, they had to wait to be summoned. So he had to invite them to come into his presence. And if he didn't invite them, they could, you know, hopefully get lucky enough that he would hold out a golden scepter to them and it'd be okay. But if not, they would die too. So either way, she had this really, really, really bad situation that she would either die either way or she had to figure out what else to do. And I think her response is incredible to Mordecai. She said, go gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. 
Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So I, my first point this morning is, is to say that I exist to influence those around me. I think it's so, so cool that she didn't just go into her room and pray or just didn't ignore the situation. She asked others to fast and pray with her. She asked her servants to fast and pray. She asked the other people, all the other Jews. She said, Mordecai, we need to start a revolution. We need to do this together. We need to be united in this area. And she didn't, you know, I think fasting and praying and, and things like that are such character-building activities. She didn't keep it to herself. She wanted others to be able to change the world like she was about to do, even though she probably didn't know she was going to. My thought about that is, what are people, what are we doing as women, and as men too, but as women, to influence those around us. We have so many connections as women. We have so many hats that we wear during the day. We might take our kids to the, to the school. We might go to the park. We might go to a, um, a party with our friends later on in the, in the weekend. We might have a retirement party for, you know, a family member. We, we have all these hats that we wear, all these things that we do. We have so many people to influence, and what are we doing about it? So maybe you're, you know, you're a bank teller, or maybe you're a, a mom with a toddler, or maybe you run a multi-million dollar company, you know, maybe you work in a cubicle at a job that doesn't excite you, or you teach kindergartners, or maybe you're in a different stage of life where you are taking care of your aging mom, and you feel like, what do all these things, what am I doing? You know, as a, as a woman, our responsibilities can be different. Well, are these important? You know, what, what am I really doing every single day? And I think a huge part of our purpose is to realize that we are influencers, that every person we come in contact with, we can influence in a huge way, whether we're a queen or not, because I don't think any of us are. If you are, great, good, <laughs> that's wonderful, but I'm, I'm not, unfortunately. So there are a few people I think we can influence. This is kind of obvious, but um, Joe had wanted me to touch on these, and I think that this is a really, really good thing. Husbands and marriage. Now, if you're not married, do not tune out. Um, I remember my first, my first interview to get uh, my credentials as a minister about 10 years ago. I was 22 years old, and um, the committee, these, all these men sat before me, and they asked me questions. And then several times throughout the interview, they said to me, well, when are you going to get married? And I thought, I don't know. I mean, someday I'd like to get married. That's a really strange question. And they never really said it out loud, but the insinuation was that if I didn't get married, I wouldn't be as effective in ministry, that I wouldn't be powerful enough to do a lot of things. And I left a little bit, um, I didn't cry there, but I think I cried when I got home and just thought, well, what if, what if that's my whole purpose is to be married? It's not. So I'm just going to throw that out there right now to say that that's okay if you don't have a husband. But for those of you who do, I want to talk for a few minutes about what we, how that part is part of our influence in our lives. So Dan and I, um, we have a pretty equal and honest relationship. We're a good team. We have fun together. We raise Paisley together. We try very hard as a team to, to influence people. Um, but we're also really different. For those of you who know him, he's super high energy. I'm a, I'm a little more high strung. <laughs> uh, he's, he's very um, spontaneous. I like to plan our days. He doesn't need any downtime, and I do. Um, but I think because of that, we work well together. But the other thing about him is that I have a lot of respect for him because he allows me to fulfill my purpose, and I enjoy being 
with him and being his helper. And Joe talked about that a couple weeks ago. He said, he explained what a helper was. And I, you know, have always kind of looked into that and thought, well, what does that mean for me as a woman? What does that look like in a, in a relationship? And I'm going to touch on a little bit what Joe said and also add a little bit more. The word helper, there's a, in that phrase that Joe talked about, helper suitable, was Azer Conegdo. And the word Azer means a capable, powerful, intelligent ally. And it actually was used for God even more than it was used for the woman in the beginning of the Bible. Um, and we obviously wouldn't ever think of God as our subordinate, you know, so it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a, it's a helper, like, I'm going to help you and do all these things. But it also means, the, the connecto means equal. So my thoughts on being a helper for men are that we're an equal, intelligent, capable ally. I love being a helper. I love influencing my husband. Like Joe said, that a woman comes alongside a man in a quest for his quest to live life for the glory of God. I want to come alongside and work together and walk alongside him as we figure out what God has for us. That's part of my purpose. That's part of your purpose for those of you who are married, that you would be a, a person that would be a capable, intelligent ally that can walk alongside your husband and do what needs to be done. And I love serving as a team and with complementing strengths. So how do we come alongside our husbands? That's kind of an obvious question in some ways, but maybe not. Tell him how much you respect him. I do that as much as possible. Tell him how proud I am of him, of how hard he works for us. I try to tell him how thankful I am that he lets me do what I need to do. Um, you know, there are times when he has said, we will do this no matter what it costs to me. It's important to you and we're going to do this. I encourage him to be who he is because he's different from me and I don't always understand all that he's thinking about, but I want to encourage him to be who he is. I trust him and I try to make sure he knows that and I don't bash him or complain about him to other people, to my wife, or to my wife, <laughs> to my friends, <laughs> that was a little weird, to my friends or to my, um, <laughs> my family, you know, I make sure that I, that I, I make him respectable enough even in front of the people that I know. And, you know, making sure that he, you know, he's worth more than, um, than me, you know, complaining about him or nagging him or things. I'm worth more than that, too. And I think part of my purpose, part of being a helper is to say we're going to come alongside each other and we're going to do this thing together because we have a lot to do for God and we need to work together. Children, another way to influence. I think that a lot of us might tune out here, too, and say, well, I don't have kids, so I don't have to worry about anything. You know what? I... Dan and I had a hard time getting pregnant with Paisley. It took us several years, and we, um, you know, it was a sad time in some ways. But in the meantime, we said, you know what? God may never give us our own baby, so we are going to influence all the other babies around us at all times. We had so much fun. We had so much fun blessing all the other kids and making sure that we were deliberate about the other kids we were with. So I think that, again, we don't really get off scot-free on this one because we don't have our own children um, because God has given women a special, special, special task to make the, I guess, to um, play a role in the eternal destiny of children. I think that's huge. I think men definitely play a role as well. But I think we are made in some ways to um, be nurturers and to enjoy being with kids. And I don't, I don't enjoy babysitting. I'll put that out there, you know, or being with a bunch of little kids all the time. 
but I do enjoy children, and I think that women have something special in them. So you exist to influence kids, to change their destiny. That's huge. That is so huge, whether it's your kid or not. But honestly, I still struggled with my purpose even even after having Paisley. I thought, well, that's my mom now, so that's my purpose, not my whole purpose. And I don't want you to feel like that's your whole purpose either. I still wanted to work outside the home. I still wanted to have people in my life. I really, really, really struggled with it. So if you're struggling, don't feel guilty. That's, um, I think, okay to have that struggle because it makes you come back to God and say, what do you want from me? What, what am I supposed to be doing? And a wise missionary, Beth Grant, once said to me, make sure that your kids see you working and serving outside of the home because otherwise they're going to think they're the center of the universe and you never want that to happen. You want them to know that they are also ministers and missionaries and people that can do awesome things for God. So I think that my purpose is to influence children, influence their destiny, but that's not the entire reason that I'm created. And lastly, our friends and coworkers, none of us can have tune out on this one because we all have friends and coworkers. Even if you just have one person that you live next door to, um, you have somebody that you can influence. And I, I think sometimes for women, I mean, I'm a talker, so I'm a little different maybe in some ways. Some women aren't talkers, but we have our friends that we talk to, and we want to, we want to um, have conversations. We want to get together over coffee. We want to have, you know, get play dates. We want to do whatever we want to do. Um, but I want to think for a minute about as women, when we get together, what those conversations look like. So you have friends, you have coworkers, you have people in your life. When you talk to them, what does that look like? Your purpose is to influence them in godly and appropriate and positive ways. I want to encourage my friends to be better women. I want to build them up and help them to see that they have a God-given destiny. I want to be a good example as a, as a mother and as a wife. But I also want to speak into their lives. You know, there's a phrase that says, silence is the enemy of truth. I also don't want to let them do harmful things. I want to be able to speak up. So there's a huge responsibility. I, you know, I, I know um, Dan loves getting together with his friends as well, but, but as women, we have a lot of conversations going on throughout the day, whether they're with kids or friends or whatever. How do we influence those people? Are they positive? Are they, are they um, good examples? And do we speak up when things are harmful? Or do we just let things slide? Because that's a huge way to influence, and I don't ever, ever, ever want to let my friends or my I don't have coworkers anymore, I guess, but, um, <laughs> or people that are my neighbors um, get into situations that aren't correct for them and let them just do their thing because that's not my purpose. My purpose is to influence positively. So I pray for wisdom all the time that God would give me the words to say. But I want you to think for a minute before we move on to the next point about the um, last conversation you had with a friend or at work or wherever you were with your neighbor. And just take a second, men and women both, take a second to think about that last conversation. It might have been right before you walked in. It might have been, I mean, I guess like a, a deeper conversation, not like, hey, greeting time. But the, you know, the deeper conversation. And how did that look? Was it positive? Was it influential? Did you help make somebody a better person? Did you bring them closer to God? And I, I, I don't think about my conversations all day long like that. But I really think maybe we should start to think a little bit more like that. So we exist to influence those around us and in very, very positive ways. Those, those are things that are part of our purpose. 
All right, I want to talk about the next thing is exist to change the climate. As women, we, I think, have a huge responsibility to, that we can change the climate in a, in a room or in, in anywhere. So before we get into Esther again, let's talk for a minute about some struggles that women might face that maybe men won't understand, right? Maybe we're discriminated against because we're a woman and we don't get a promotion at work. You know, some of us had to have, have dealt with that. I, um, one time I was looked over for a job once because I was a woman and that hurt a little bit, but you know, it happens. One time I had a, I applied for a job as a youth pastor and I had a, um, the pastor say to me, oh great, well we have three women applying for this job. And he said, I really want a woman pastor. And I thought, oh, all right, well, that's great. And he said, so I want you to send me a picture. And I'm going to have all three of you send a picture, and then I'm going to make my decision. And I said, excuse me? He said, yeah, I'm going to have you send a picture, and then I'll make my decision. So I said, thanks so much, and never called him back. Those kind of things. He would never ask somebody else to do that probably, you know, and it, it really hurt me. So I thought those are things that happen that might happen um, to a woman that you would never, ever think would happen. Uh, or that man may not understand. Uh, you know, men may not understand some of the struggles that if we women want to be in ministry. Um, I worked at a church that was so wonderful, but some of the people there did not, did not, it wasn't Spring Valley, <laughs> did not um, accept me and would say things that I shouldn't be sitting on the platform, that I shouldn't be preaching, um, I should only be with the children. And that was very, very hard for me to go through because I felt like my purpose was to share Christ everywhere. And, hey, we don't have much time left in the world to be just, you know, sitting back and doing nothing. And so I thought, well, I want to preach. I want to share. I want to do things that I feel like I'm called to do, um, but was held back. And so some women might experience those kinds of things. Um, some women might feel purposeless as a stay-at-home mom. Maybe you think, this is my life, and this is all I have to give. Um, or wanting to be married and having a desire to be taken care of by a man. I had that. I thought that that was a, I don't know, maybe men feel that too, but I definitely know that women, a lot of women do, feeling like I want to be taken care of. Um, wanting to start a family. I, I felt extremely guilty that we couldn't start a family. Um, I don't know if Dan felt that pressure as much, but I would constantly apologize to him that it was my fault, <laughs> you know, that we couldn't. And I think women bear that responsibility a lot, and it's not good. Um, we, we deal with self-esteem. There's always going to be someone that you think looks better than you, and that's rough. You know, that's rough to walk around and, and, and deal with that sometimes, and guys probably do too, but I know that we do as women. We, we deal with those things. We deal with prioritization and with doing too much. Like I said earlier, we, we're always going, 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 doing, doing, doing for anyone in our lives, and I don't necessarily think that that's healthy all the time. Um, but that's some struggles that we, that we deal with as women. Um, talking too much, gossip, you know, those kind of things that we, I stick my foot in my mouth all the time. And I'm really, 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 really working on it. And I asked Dan to help me with that a lot because I don't want to be that person that just blares everything out to the world. Or maybe it's a, you know, a phase and change in, a, a change in your phase of your life where you're struggling with your kids left home and you were a mom for 25 years and suddenly you're not and you don't know what to do anymore and something that you feel like this is a, a struggle for a lot of women I think because they feel like they have nothing more to give or no one else to give to so these things I think that we can 
a lot of us can relate to, not all of us, but a struggle that you might face. Esther faced struggles too, and I know you're probably thinking, yeah, right, she was a queen, but she was given her, her position as queen with some pretty sketchy circumstances. Not, not many of us would want to ever have to go through that. She didn't get to marry someone she loved. She didn't get to um, see her husband hardly ever. She had to be summoned. Can you imagine if your husband had to, like, text you and say, all right, you can come see me now after weeks and weeks and weeks? And she, she I mean, that would have been pretty, pretty bad. I'm just thinking about that right now. Don't think too hard about that because that would be really sad. But that's what she dealt with, you know. And she, she um, dealt with even going before her husband. And he could have her killed if he didn't hold out a golden scepter to her. That's really weird, too, to think about that kind of life. So I want to talk for a minute about how we respond to the struggles that we face. Do we stand up and say, you know what? I'm having this struggle. I'm getting treated unfairly as a woman, or I feel like I don't have any purpose and no one, I'm invisible. Um, or, you know, I mean, I guess, well, yeah, those things, but how do we respond to them as a woman? And here's how Esther did it. In Esther 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. And when he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her. And he held up to her the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Earlier, when she was auditioning for queen, it said that she had the favor of everyone with whom she met. And later, she had the respect and attention of the, of the king and of his attendants so much that she asked for whatever she wanted and was granted it. So I want to think for a second about how she went so boldly before the king, but quietly and courageously and in ways that she changed the climate of the room, she had favor with everyone. And I think several times throughout the book of Esther, it talks about that. I think that's incredible to think. I pray for favor constantly, that when I come into a room, as a woman, especially, I'm little, I'm, I'm five foot two, I don't, I'm not this um, strong, loud, powerhouse woman. I don't command attention everywhere I go, but I can pray for favor. I can pray that God would use me in every single room I walk into. And I think we as women, especially those of us who are a little bit quieter and don't really know um, how to, you know, start up all these conversations and influence all these people, we can pray for favor every single place that we go. So she changed the climate in the room, but also the course of history in those days. So I want you ladies especially to think about what the climate is like when you're around. Think about, you know, we're called keepers of the home. What does what our home feel like? Do we walk into a room? Is it calm? Do we bring peace? Um, I don't think, I'm not saying that we should all be meek and timid at all because we're def definitely not made that way. But we do need to bring um, an atmosphere into the room that is wise and discerning and calm and peaceful and does not create chaos, does not um, create fights. <laughs> uh, those are things that we have the opportunity to do. We can change the climate of a room just by having favor and by praying that God uses us in those ways. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Proverbs 31, 25, and 26. And it says, She is clothed with strength and dignity, which means worthy of honor and respect. She is, can laugh at the days to come without fear of the future. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. What an incredible part of our purpose, to change the climate of a room, to be a person that is clothed with strength and dignity, and can laugh at the days to come, but speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction. That's huge. What if every time we went somewhere, we thought about that as women and tried to make a difference in that way?
So pray for favor as well. And then the third thing I want to talk about, this is my favorite point, even though I like the others too, but this is my favorite one, um, is that I exist to advance the kingdom of God. Okay, so this is, I think, our ultimate, ultimate purpose, that we have just as much right and authority to bring people to God that anyone else has in the world. So what if God decided that he only wanted to use men? Just think about that for a second. And all of us women had to just sit back and, and do nothing. You know, we had to, like, go on Pinterest and find a craft to make, you know, or something like that. We, we couldn't do anything else. That would be half the population that was not working to bring people to God. That's sad. And I do not think that that's what God wants for us. So once Esther went to the king and took care of the bad guy, and I don't even think I've talked about that, so I apologize if you don't know the whole story, but basically the king, she went to the king, and she said, he held out the golden scepter, and she said, let's go to dinner, and let's talk about something, and the, she, in a couple days, um, told the king what was happening, that this man was going to kill all the Jews. And the king said, this is terrible, we don't want them to die, and so they made a new law. Um, that the Jews could take care of themselves on that day. They could defend themselves so that they wouldn't die. So in Esther 8.17, it says, In every province and in every city to which the edict of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews with feasting and celebrating, because they weren't going to die. <laughs> That's good. And many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. Esther was a huge, 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 had, had a huge impact on bringing people to God. People became Jews because they realized that, that God was, I mean, I don't know what they were all thinking, but, but I think that they realized that this, there's something about this God that these Jews serve. So I exist to bring people closer to God. I want you to think about that. Every man and woman in this room, but especially you women, maybe you've been told in your life that you can't do much or that you have to stay quiet or that you can't speak about things to other people. You can't tell about God. You're not going to be as powerful as a witness to people. I don't know what you've been told, but you exist to bring people closer to God no matter what. And that is one of the ultimate purposes in your life. I want you to think for a second about someone in your life who your husband can't reach or your brother can't reach or your uncle can't reach. Um, there's, you know, Think about a man in your life and then think about someone that they're not really able to tell about God. We have a couple great women in our lives that are coming over for dinner next week who um, they don't know God, but they couldn't just come over to my house if just Dan was hanging out there. They could, but it wouldn't be as, they probably wouldn't. They're coming over because I invited them, and I'm a woman, and we have something in common. We have being a woman in common. That's huge. What if they never were able to find out about God because only Dan was their neighbor? Think about that for a second. There's somebody in your life that only you can reach as a woman. Your husband can't reach them. Your brother can't reach them. And nobody else, your son maybe can't reach them, but you can reach them. And so in the next couple of minutes before we close, I want you to think about that person. So my next calling in life is to move overseas to Spain and tell people about Jesus. Um, I'm not a media person. I don't, I can barely use my iPhone correctly, and Paisley locks me out all the time, and I don't know what to do, so she's probably better at it than I am, but I, I'm not going to be able to help with media very much, but I'm going to be a powerhouse with my neighbors, and even the people that I come into contact with as I go, um, I just, I'm excited to think about the other women that I'll come in contact with that Dan can't reach in the ways that he is able to do ministry, and I think that's huge for us as women. 
if, if the deceiver of the world can get women to think that they are not a strong part of bringing closer, people closer to God, he has done his part to keep God away from so many people. Because we're just going to sit back as women and say, ah, the men will do it. Joe will preach. Joe's a, Joe is, honestly, let me tell you, we travel a lot. Joe is an incredible preacher. But Joe cannot do it all. Joe cannot touch every single person because of his preaching. We need to step up. So this is, this is a, a big thing. You have gifts that God can use. Like I said, I'm not a master carpenter, but I can bake or I can talk or I can, you know, do things that um, I have a gift to do. You have a gift. Use it boldly. Please, please, please do not sit back and let it go to waste. You might be creative. You might like to build things or to lead people or to be creative or to teach or to organize. Um, maybe your job, you organize things and that lets the entire company run. But don't let being a woman keep you from being a mega force for God. Your purpose is only between you and God, not what anyone else says you can do or can't do. We cannot waste time deciding what's right or wrong for a woman. We have to just step forward. God's going to, let me tell you this, God's going to close the doors if he does not want you to walk somewhere. If, he, if there's something that you're not supposed to do as a woman, he's going to close the door for you. But until then, walk forward. Do you know how many women, are, you know, women missionaries, you hear stories about that if they, they went into a place and only as a woman could they come out alive. Men may not be able to do those things. There are things you can do that you have to do. You have to be bold. If he asks you to preach, preach. If he asks you to teach, then teach. If he asks you to start a worldwide company or a worldwide ministry, do it. You can do it. And I think I want um, the end of today to, to really, really get that through to us. That there are things we can do. Again, he's going to close the door if he doesn't want you to do it. But until then, walk forward. Please walk forward. Do not stop and sit and think that there's nothing you can bring to the world. We're called to be champions and fighters and heroes. And that requires so much more than passivity. We can't just sit back and let the men do everything they need to do. Because, like I said, half the population isn't being ministered to if we do that. So I want to encourage you to be strategic and deliberate. And full of the Holy Spirit at all times. When you leave your house, well, I guess not even when you leave your house. You might stay in your house all day. So first thing in the morning, you need to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And ask him to make you a powerhouse that day. If you walk out the door, you need to be a powerhouse. If you walk back in the door, you need to be a powerhouse. Those are things that you have to do. We have to influence. We have to change the climate. And we have to bring people to the Lord. So in conclusion, I want to give a couple points about ways that we can do that. So first I want to talk to the men. Men, you need to encourage the women in your life. You may not understand all the things they can do or that they should be doing. Or maybe your wife or your daughter or whoever has never said before, I want to do this for God. I want to try this. But encourage them to do it. Let them do it. Build them up so that they have the um, resources they need and the, the ability that they can do these things. Because each woman has something they can give. And I want them to be able to do that. So men, please don't hold your women back. Let them do what they have to do for God. And women, I want you to think about three things before we leave. Think about one person over whom you have influence. It might be a child. It might be your spouse. It might be um, the, the girl down the street or the woman you sit next to at work. There's somebody that you talk to every single day. And I want you to think for a second about what that looks like, what those conversations look like, the influence that you have over them. I want you to think about being strategic about the climate where you are. Let's start this afternoon. 
When you leave Spring Valley Community Church, you're going to go somewhere. You're going to go out to lunch. You're going to go to your house. You're going to go somewhere, and you need to change the climate in that room. It cannot stay the same. I'm sorry, I'm emotional. I'm pregnant. <laughs> but and the last thing, which I'm very passionate about, ask God to show you when he wants to use you. You can do it, women. Don't, don't ever, ever think you can't. We need to be strong. There are 300, 400 people. I don't know how many are in here. But every single one of us needs to do something. Whether you're a man or a woman, you have to do something. So please, please, please do it. Think about, like I said earlier, that one person that you can reach. And you might not be able to start today to reach them. You might have to wait till tomorrow or next week or next month. But there's somebody in your life that the man in your life can't reach. Only you can. I want you to think about that person. I want you to do something about them. Because that's, that one person might not be able to be reached as quickly if it weren't for you. And we have, like I said, we have that commonality as women that we can, we can do something about that. You're strategically placed in God exactly where he needs you for some time as this, just like Esther was. She was, she was supposed to be, even though it made no sense, she was a nobody in a country where she made the most powerful man alive. But we cannot waste the time that we have right now because we think that we can't make a difference. Today I want you to think about the difference that you can make and I want you to be encouraged and empowered but also to know that you have influence and that you can do great things.